Welcome to the Pilot Podcast, where we watch the pilot episodes of TV shows and recap other shows to answer your question, should I watch this? My name is BJ. And my name is Me Too. And we also have a guest host this week, Jimbo, and we're here to review the pilot episode of The Good Place on NBC. So stay tuned to the end to see whether we're making it to The Good Place. One of us would make it, I think. Oh, do you think you would make it, Jimbo? I feel pretty confident relative to uh, the people I know. Oh. I'm doing pretty good. You have a high number right now. I think so. I feel like I'm a neutral person. Do you think you would get into the good place over me if we're thinking of this comparatively? Oh, no. I really appreciate that. I also don't think you would have gotten into the good place. <laughs> <laughs> it's competition. Ouch. I am not a bad person. I'm a neutral person. No, you're not a bad person. Well, the show didn't talk about a neutral place, unfortunately. <sighs> I'll just have to fake it like Eleanor. Maybe they'll put you in a good place on accident. Me too would tell. I wouldn't tell, but the pressure would kill me. You'd be like cheating. You'd go crazy keeping the secret. I actually get really bad stomach aches from anxiety. Literally, I would be cheating. Be in pain from your secret. My anxiety aside, how did the two of you like this pilot episode of The Good Place? So this is my only experience with The Good Place. I really enjoyed it. And I am a philosophy fan as in the fact that pop culture philosophy I am really into. And so I thought the jokes were good. And I thought just the moral dilemmas you know, within the pilot episode are also interesting and fun. I agree. I like the philosophical questions and ethical questions that it raises. And I'm always a fan of these high concept shows. So this brings us in that fantasy-esque realm. But also the good thing is it's approachable to a broad audience because they don't go into specifics about the good place is heaven, the bad place is hell. They leave it vague and open to interpretation where every religion is 5% right about what the afterlife is like. Yes. Except for Doug Forsett. He got really stoned and it was like 90 something percent. I actually read a behind the scenes article. I think they were profiled in the New York Times about why that cast gels so well. And apparently they all nerd out over philosophy and ethics papers because Mike Schur, who created the show, whom I'm obsessed with because he was a writer on The Office, helped create Parks and Rec, is just a genius. And apparently they have ethics professors and philosophy professors consult on the show and they all get homework. And so the people who weren't Ted Danson or Kristen Bell talked about seeing Kristen Bell and Ted Danson take home those packets of philosophy and actually talk about it the next day as if they had actually read it and not just, you know, taking it home from set just for morale. And so then they felt compelled to engage as well. So apparently that cast is nerding out over this stuff, which I think translates into the show. You really feel it. And in later episodes, because full disclosure for our listeners, Jimbo, this was your first time watching the show, but BJ and I are both huge fans and have watched it through its season three now. But you can really feel it in later episodes, especially as they get into this question of good and bad. Yeah, they've really learned who their characters are. And they have a good understanding of what kind of dilemmas their characters are going through, specifically Eleanor, because we're going to see her struggle with the idea of can I become a good person? Or are we inherently good? And that's a big question in this first season and the show overall. I mean, the first thing we talked about is would we make it to the good place. Like they didn't come in and say that, you know, this is an ethics class and they didn't use any philosophy terms, but everyone watching that show, like you just can't help think about
about would I make it there? Would I have a positive or a negative or a neutral score? And so it's the same thing. Once Eleanor's character is revealed to be in a questionable position, everyone's asking, would I say something? Would I hide it? Are you going to help her? Are you going to dime her out? You know, all those things are just really accessible for anyone that doesn't even know anything about philosophy. That's true. It's put so plainly. You're getting points or you're losing points. And so you think, where do I fall on that? But something I want to ask you two is, how do you feel about the point system as a whole? What is your feeling about quantifying the good or bad things that you do? And how are they even graded as good or bad? I think it's a very human thing to want to categorize things. So being able to put our action into this is five points goodness, this is negative 20 points badness. And then we're also led to believe that it's this higher power where we have Michael and Janet who are supernatural beings who probably have this different perspective of what's going on than that what humans can see. So I get why it's a very approachable and also nice system to just be like, you can really just arbitrarily say X number of points equals this type of action. Eating a sandwich is good for your life. Ending slavery, I think, was like 86,000 <laughs> points or something like that. <laughs> that makes sense, right? Fine. I would just add that it's impractical for us to try and figure out. But if you think of it as an all-knowing being, even like a supercomputer could calculate it somehow. There's maybe infinite variables, but if you had enough information, then you could piece together some type of score. Ooh, and that leads into my favorite character, Janet. Yes. We only get hints of it, but she is an all-knowing being who knows everything that has happened, is happening, and she is basically like a supercomputer, Siri, Alexa, Google Assistant type character in a human body. Would you want to know as much as Janet can tell you? Because in the pilot episode, it said something to the effect of, is such and such guy I dated from 2002 gay? Janet confirms he wasn't, goes, I wasn't into him anyway. And Janet was like, yes, you were. And as soon as I heard the second question answered that she didn't want answered. I was like, I don't know that I would want a Janet. Because at first I was like, hell yeah, I would want to be able to be like, Janet, tell me everything about BJ from 2009 to 2010. That might destroy our friendship. But yeah, don't go asking questions if you get ones answered that you never asked and probably wouldn't have wanted to. Ignorance is bliss. Yeah, it really does come down to that. Janet knows too much and she can also destroy the truth that you think you know. And there are definitely cases where you just need to believe the truth that you believe for your own happiness. But there is no doubt in my mind, BJ, that you specifically would want a Janet. Oh, I would take advantage of Janet. This is why I'm a neutral person. (laughs) There is no doubt in my mind that you would take the good with the bad. But what is wrong with asking Janet questions about the universe? I don't know that that is a negative or positive point. Jimbo, did any characters stick out to you? I liked all the main characters. I think they all serve their purpose. The protagonist is a questionable person. One of my favorite shows is My Name is Earl. And My Name is Earl is similar. You have this guy that decides to turn his life around based off this American concept of karma. And so she definitely fits that mold. Maybe she doesn't care so much, but you definitely like her and you're rooting for her, at least in the first episode. And then the supporting cast is great. Chidi is a really great person, maybe to a negative point. He's like so good that it's going to maybe cause problems, but it's just a funny and clever show. There's a good mix of different personalities in that main cast and they contrast 
cast, especially Eleanor and Chidi. And that also adds a fun dynamic to the show. So we didn't mention yet, but I also am on a pilot's podcast. And so one of the things that we talk about a decent amount is representation. And this had a pretty good on-screen representation. Like there was a very diverse cast. I briefly looked at the off-screen producers and directors. It looks mostly like white guys, but at least the on-screen representation is pretty good. Yeah. And you feel that as the show continues. And what I like about it is it feels pretty effortless. I think one thing a lot of fantasy shows, shows like this that exist in a world that doesn't really have rules, you get to make them as the show creator and writer. I think it's so strange when those shows are so limited in how they represent people. On this one, it feels pretty effortless because you don't have to do any thinking of how are they related or how does this work? Because everyone is just existing in this good place environment and we don't need to know where they came from. The setting makes sense. You know, every religion was 5% right. So we should have a nice mix of every type of person on the planet. Do you have any other metrics that y'all like to use on your podcast? So we rank the shows and we have a running list. We call it our quest for the best and worst pilots ever. So you may not feel comfortable making this call without your co-hosts, but where do you think The Good Place (laughs) might rank amongst other pilot episodes? I would say it's at least above the 50 percentile. Okay. Yeah, that's for sure. I could have told you that. So for your listeners, maybe we can link this because they have no idea what we're talking about right now. (laughs) Yeah, we'll put this in the show notes. Are you putting it above Umbrella Academy, but below It's Always Sunny? I would. I think that works. Interesting. I think I'd put it a little higher than both of you. Hmm. This is the dilemma is I think it's better than Rick and Morty. But for some reason, Rick and Morty is above Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which creates a problem for me. Do I base it off of Rick and Morty or do I base it off of Always Sunny in Philadelphia? But I would say our top 20 list is pretty strong. Okay, back to the good place. So BJ, you and I have watched this show and are completely caught up. But Jimbo, again, this is your first time viewing the pilot episode. So where do you think this show is going? Listeners as background, we didn't want to give away spoilers because this show has some really great twists. But I would love to know, as someone who hasn't seen it before, what you think is coming. And maybe BJ and I can comment a little bit on how accurate your predictions are or how close your predictions might be. So one of the first things I thought of, especially when she revealed that she was a bad person, is there's this play by John Paul Sartre called No Exit. And it's about these three people that are in hell and they're just stuck in a room together. And that's hell. The fact that they're just stuck, they can't sleep, they can't leave. And so that was one of the first things I thought of is she's in hell. Mm. And that's why all this stuff is going bananas. And even maybe Chidi is in hell. I would even say maybe they're all putting on a front. Okay. So the good place is actually the bad place in your theory. Yes. And even Ted Danson is probably in hell because this is his first job and it's a complete disaster. But still a very handsome man. That makes up for all the bad. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. We need to pay our bills because this is Beyonce's America and rent is due. True. That's why this episode is brought to you by Audible. What are you listening to this week? Speaking of the good place, I'm listening to Becoming by the mayor of all good things, First Lady Michelle LaVon Robinson Obama. Always a great idea to listen to the queen. You can find that book and pretty much any other at audibletrial.com slash the pilot pod. You'll get a free 30 day trial membership, be able to browse their amazing selection of audio programs and pick a title to download free and start listening. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash the pilot pod. Happy listening. And now back to our show. Another question on your thoughts on the future. Do you see Eleanor becoming a good or a better person? I would say just the fact that it's three seasons. At some point, her character has to change or evolve. She either has to become a worse person or a better person, or at least have an up and down roller coaster. 
cluster. It's like all three of those things, really. Yeah. I mean, in the sense that humans are dynamic. I am a huge Always Sunny in Philadelphia fan. And I love the fact that they're just a bunch of terrible people that never change. That show is a sore spot for BJ and me because that's what <laughs> I love about the show. And that's what BJ vehemently hates about the show. They're just bad people. There's nothing redeemable about them. Do you like Seinfeld? I do like Seinfeld. I don't like Seinfeld. Always Sunny in Philadelphia is X-rated Seinfeld. It's the same character dynamics. Mm. Shows about nothing. Terrible people that are just funny. If you let this man convince you to give It's Always Sunny a chance, but your friend of 10 years did, you better just keep hating that show. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You know what? My uh, co-host quit watching Always Sunny. Us three were all Peace Corps volunteers. And I started watching Always Sunny in the Peace Corps and I binged it probably a couple times. And so they quit watching after Peace Corps. I made a list of the episodes that they need to watch to catch up. And they didn't watch any of them. But this list is a good place. Give it a second chance. I mean, I really appreciate that. But I'm just going to (laughs) be honest with you. You can send it. I'm still not going to watch. Okay, no, that's fair. Where did you do Peace Corps? Mozambique. Oh, awesome. There were just a few details about the show I wanted to get your thoughts on. Because they stood out to me and just wanted to know how you guys felt. One, what about the whole no cursing and everything being forking, bullshit? I think they literally can't curse because it's broadcast television. But it is funny. And I don't know if this was the intent, but it's fantastic branding because I've seen so many commercials and so many shirts and other merchandise for a good place that have holy fork and shirt or things like that written on them that are technically wearable in public. If you don't think about (laughs) what those things, I mean, I guess you could wear anything in public, but that would be accepted if you don't know the original meanings of the words. So I also think it's just smart branding and they sell it well. At least Kristen Bell sells it really well. Yeah, I was going to say it's a cheap laugh and I'm not saying that cheap laughs are necessarily bad and it allows them to stay on NBC primetime. So and yeah, the branding is brilliant. I actually didn't think about that until right now, but that's very clever. I think they kept going with it because they saw it was working and being received well. Like you said, me too. Kristen Bell sells it really well with her frustration of not having any control over it. And I think that also helped push them to keep going for it with that. I saw an interview that Dax Shepard, her husband gave where when they got together and became domestic partners and then husband and wife, he was originally making more money than she did, I guess, pre-Frozen. And when they got married as his act of, you know, I trust you completely and I love you and blah, blah, blah. They didn't sign a prenup. So he was like, that worked for me because now she's <laughs> rolling in NBC <laughs> got money. Frozen money. <laughs> she got this Disney paycheck coming through. I would be so happy. That guy's going to a good place. Yeah. Dak Shepard is in the good place. Speaking of being in the good place, what did you think of Eleanor's creepy clown house? Yeah, that's just adding to the hell. Like clowns are the stereotypical symbol of evil. You don't think real Eleanor could actually like clowns? In lore, when did clowns become scary or sad? Because sad clowns are a thing too. That goes back to uh, the sensations or no, Oscar Robertson? No, uh, oh my gosh. Tears of a Clown is by Smokey Robinson. But is it Tears of a Clown? Like, I was just clowning about. No, it's his life is so miserable that a clown would be sad. And apparently the song's distinctive motif sounded like a circus. Per Wikipedia, Smokey Robinson is another man who's aged well. Time has been kind. And last question about the world of the good play. And I'll be honest, Jimbo, 
this is a hint at future plots, but I just want to get your thought on it. All the Froyo. Um, you know, I missed that. What the frozen yogurt? Oh, the frozen yogurt. Okay. What do you think the significance of that is? Huh. I didn't think much about that, but now that you recall it, he did say that every place has frozen yogurt. What does that mean? Something to think about for you and our listeners. That must be an inside joke that made it on screen. Honestly, I could see it starting that way. They seem to have a really fabulous writer's room. They have, I can't remember her last name, Jen something and Megan Amram and of course, Mike Schur. But it just seems like a good dynamic, both on screen and behind the camera. And I'm sure the cast also did some ad-libbing. I can definitely see Kristen Bell doing some of that and Ted Danson. You know, Jamila Jamil, who plays Tahani, originally came to the US to be a comedy writer, but then within a very short period of time of moving to the US, got The Good Place. I won't get into it because it's a little gross, but she has a very funny interview about her journey to that show on Phoebe Robinson's podcast, So Many White Guys, so spelled with three O's. Do you guys want to head into our final ratings for The Good Place? Yes. BJ, do you want to explain our rating system to Jimbo? Sure. We're always trying to answer the question, should I watch this for our listeners? And so we try to break it down to some practical answers in our review. So we would watch again seriously. This is a show you're going to watch on a weekly basis or binge it. You'd watch it casually. Maybe you don't care about picking up every episode in a season or the particular order, which might be good for some comedies. Would watch while doing laundry. You can have it on in the background, but if you miss a few details, you're not going to be too upset about that. Would watch with wine. It can be a fun experience. And it's kind of salacious, like scandal. And then would not watch again. This isn't the show for you. So do you want to start, Jimbo? You know, go ahead. Lead the way. Well, I think we have the same rating. We would both watch again seriously. We are all caught up and ready and waiting for the next season. Like Me Too has alluded to, there's some really big and fun twists and reveals, and they really keep things fresh and fun. And for me, regular listeners of our show will know I'm not the biggest fan of comedies, but this is a half hour comedy that always keeps me entertained. And I think the story moves at a good pace. And that also really helps maintain my interest in particular. Are there any things about the show you'd want to add me to? I don't have anything really to add. Just that you would think that the show wouldn't be sustainable after you experience twist after twist after twist. And this is a show that is very much willing to turn its own plot on its head to keep it fresh and interesting. And they're really challenging themselves in a way that I don't think they would have to in order to keep it entertaining, but they do anyway, to the point where sometimes after episodes, I'll call you or text you, BJ, to debrief and guess as to what's coming next. So I just couldn't more strongly recommend watching this show seriously. We also have a similar thing, like would we watch or rewatch this show? And I have to be honest, I'm probably not going to watch it, but I don't really watch a lot of TV. I don't know why I'm doing a podcast on TV. So like with that being said, like a show has to really knock my socks off for me to watch it. Russian Doll did it. Barry did it. I'll say as far as for your criteria, I would say it's definitely something that you could watch while you're doing laundry. I would say that if someone's interested in the themes and thought the pilot was funny, to definitely stick with it. Now I know how Me Too feels when I dislike her favorite shows. I was just going to say, I'm sad that Jimbo did not like this seriously. I love seeing the disappointment on your face, BJ. And I don't know what that says about me. And you think you're going to the good place? Because I'm honest about it. Ooh, you may have just dropped below the neutral zone. You might. Did I? <laughs> 
Well, Jimbo, do you want to tell our listeners where they can find you and your podcast? If you need another podcast about pilots, you can check out Pilots and Petards. Petards as in, if you're really hip on Shakespeare and Hamlet, you might remember a line hoisted by his own petard. Petard is a bomb. So our theme is, does this show blow itself up? We are the only Pilots and Petards. If you search those two words, you will find nothing but us. So your local podcast app or Google, we have a website, we have all that good stuff. Cool. And you can find more reviews for the Pilot Podcast at thepilotpodcast.com. And we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify. Rate both of our podcasts five stars and leave us really kind, just amazing reviews that would get you into the good place. You know what? I will take your nasty reviews even. I will welcome any and all feedback. You can find us on Twitter and on Instagram at The Pilot Pod. You can like us on Facebook at The Pilot Podcast. You can send thoughts, feelings, show recommendations. Oh, and your points breakdown, what you believe the good bad ratio is to askthepilotpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>